Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Winning the Monday Night Wars gave Vince McMahon power to control the narrative on WCW. But while wrestling's maddest billionaire will happily tell you all about the bad times that went down in that company, there are plenty of skeletons that he'd love to keep locked in Ted Turner's closet. I'm Andy for What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 things WWE wants you to forget about WCW. Number 10, the most overhyped segment in WWE history. A perennial fixture on any piece of WWE produced content referencing the Monday Night Wars is this segment from Raw's 27th of April 1998 episode in which D-Generation X invaded WCW Nitro in their tank. But here's the thing about that. It wasn't a tank and they accomplished nothing. Simple. A bunch of grown adults turned up in a shitty little jeep, made some noise and got turned away. The door was literally closed on them. No more rebellious than a gang of drunk students being refused entry to a nightclub on Freshers Week, it is nonetheless celebrated as a rogue act of wrestling rebellion. Triple H himself has since claimed that WCW were so freaked out they called the local police claiming they were under attack from a militia group. Didn't happen that, did it mate? And Vince Russo described the segment himself as an all-out assault. Really, the all-out assault would have been what would have gone down had DX gotten into the building and ran into Meng. Number 9. Decades of Stolen Ideas In wrestling, everybody steals from everybody. It's ubiquitous. And Lord knows WCW stole plenty of ideas from WWE, particularly during the wars. But when it was the other way around, as it frequently was, you can bet your house on the WWE chairman wanting you to conveniently forget that his company routinely raided WCW's idea banks as well. WrestleMania changed the game, but Starcade came before it, innovating the supercard concept well over a year before Vince McMahon's first blockbuster event came to life. Demolition on a smaller level where WWE's attempt at recreating the Road Warrior's success for the opposition, and the shift towards grimy, edgier content that sparked WWE's Attitude Era success happened on Nitro first, primarily through the New World Order, which ended up heavily influencing Vince's own rogue stable, DX, and the list goes on. I could sit here and talk about this all day, but the fact of the matter is, while WWE clicked to go, hey, WCW stole that from us, they did their own fair share of it as well. And speaking of stealing things, number eight, Vince stole talent first. 
WWE are always quick to paint themselves as victims of WCW's talent trades, and yeah, I mean, they kind of were. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Lex Luger, all of those people. But while there are plenty of promoters who have grounds to complain about such things, unfortunately, Vince McMahon isn't one of them. This has been the WWE chairman's method of operation for decades. WWE's biggest golden era star, the reason the company got so popular in the first place, Hulk Hogan, was actually poached from the AWA before going supernova in Stamford, and years later, in WWE's other big boom period, along came Steve Austin from WCW via ECW, becoming the most important player in the Attitude Era. And if you want to go back to the 80s, why the hell not? Poaching wrestlers was a key part of McMahon's expansion strategy to strangle the territories. And when you look at the list of wrestlers that WWE took directly from WCW, from Chris Jericho to The Giant, it's right there in front of you. Number 7. Eric Bischoff was Mr. McMahon before Vince McMahon Mr. McMahon is obviously the most successful and important of all heel authority figures. He was a game changer, but WWE didn't do the heel authority figure thing first. This was no innovation. Indeed, Eric Bischoff's run as a dastardly power-mad authority figure preceded Vince's character's emergence by over a year, with Eazy-E revealed as the NWO's hidden hand in late 96. And it wasn't until the aftermath of Survivor Series 97 that Vince began finding his footing in a similar role. They were different characters, Vince and Eric, and McMahon became the more iconic of the two. But this was reinvention, rather than his own invention. Number 6. The Struggles of 97 Not only was 1997 the height of WWE's ratings misery, but financially the company's hole was so deep that cost-cutting measures were introduced at HQ, banning employees from making long-distance phone calls with the building's water coolers even taken away as well. Pay-per-view income was down, with in-your-house specials priced at less than half the usual cost. And while the issues had started clearing up by the end of the year, the company was still operating in a deficit when Vince McMahon entered negotiations with Bret Hart over the Hitman's expiring contract. Increasing the price of the In Your House events paid dividends, and by the end of 98, Steve Austin was the hottest thing on the planet, and of course supported by an emerging star in The Rock. But there's no question that WWE's business was badly hampered by WCW the year before. Number 5. 84 Weeks WCW Nitro bested WWE Raw for 84 straight weeks of rating supremacy between the 17th of June 96 and the 6th of April 98, putting Vince McMahon's company on the ropes several times throughout that period, having largely traded Monday Night Wars wins back and forth up to that point. Master strokes like the Hulk Hogan heel turn, the New World Order, and the shift towards a grittier style of programming the reason for this, though it was all over by 98. And while this is obviously far too big a thing for WWE to ever ignore, you know that they'd love to. Number 4. Homegrown Talent WCW could never have pushed WWE so close without the likes of Nash, 
Hall, and Hogan. This is unquestionable. But the idea that WCW relied only on WWE cast-offs and couldn't make their own stars is pretty silly. In fact, WCW's highest grossing pay-per-view ever, Starcade 97, was built on the appeal of one of the company's own players, Sting, defroning an outsider Hulk Hogan as WCW champion. 700,000 people paid to see that happen. It's just a shame about how that match ended up going down. Basically the most WCW thing ever. Goldberg, of course, was built from scratch in WCW, and DDP was another WCW original who eventually became world champion. And then, of course, there's Scott Steiner and Booker T, and hell, if you want to go all the way back to WCW's territorial roots, how about that uh, Ric Flair guy? He did okay as well. Number three, the buyout alienated millions. The great hope of Vince purchasing WCW was that WWE's audience would suddenly be boosted by millions of fans crossing over from the other side, because, well, where the hell else would they go? The answer to that would be away from wrestling entirely. The buyout turned out to be the most destructive night in terms of driving viewers away from the sport in wrestling history. Raw and Nitro scored a combined TV rating of 7.7 .7 for the simulcast, the final time they went head-to-head. -head. But by the end of 2001, Raw was already down to an average of less than half of that, as the removal of competition precipitated an immediate decline in popularity that wrestling, even to this day, has never recovered from. The data tells us that millions of WCW loyalists, many of whom who'd been watching wrestling for decades, they just tuned out forever. The WWE vision of sports entertainment didn't match their own. The common assumption that they buy into Vince's vision was false. Thus began the decades-long rot. Number 2. The Invasion Wrestlers Were Enough The Invasion failed, but not for the reasons that WWE will try to give you. They're always quick to absolve themselves of any blame, referencing guys like Flair and Hogan sitting at home, living off their old contracts rather than coming to work for WWE for less money. After all, how the hell could it be WWE's fault when these guys just wanted to sit at home? They couldn't get the biggest names. The Alliance don't have enough star power. It's doomed. Well, that would be wrong. With a total of well over 700,000 buys, Invasion is the most successful non-WrestleMania pay-per-view in WWE history. What this tells us is that the existing WCW troupe headed by Booker T was plenty. It was enough. It was a draw. At this point, WWE didn't need Goldberg and Hogan because the threat of these invaders coming onto WWE programming, popping, getting over, causing damage, and creating a tangible sense of chaos was a draw itself. The pay-per-view's phenomenal business success shows us this. It's really not even an argument. WWE should have had more than enough material to effectively run the Invasion storyline far beyond the pay-per-view until those expiring contracts finally started coming up. I mean, can you imagine over the next few months and years the storyline bubbles away suddenly? The Outsiders turn up. They're here. Three months down the line. Hulk Hogan. It's Ric Flair. Oh my god. It would have been so fresh, they would have made so much money, and it would have been so awesome. It was in WWE's hands, the booking was right there. They could have done it, and ultimately, they just decided not to. 
And at number one, WCW's true spirit lies elsewhere. WWE has war games now, and they do Starcade as a glorified house show. But if you want to know the true spirit of WCW, if you want to feel what that company was really about, well, you know where to go. On TNT, WWE's new rivals do an infinitely better job of harking back to the glory days than Stamford ever could. It's not just that WCW is literally in the Rhodes family blood. It's not even in the events like Bash at the Beach, a revival of an old WCW property, or that AEW brought wrestling back to TNT for the first time in almost 20 years. It's in the faithful, respectful use of legendary WCW figures like Arn Anderson and Sting, the similar booking techniques and the look feel and presentation of so many ideas that escape Tony Khan's creative room. Indeed, the spirit of WCW, of good WCW, not bad WCW, when the company was genuinely amazing, lives on in AEW, despite that company's own flaws. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.